We've been doing a series in 1 John because it's always nice, you know, as a church to study the Bible. Uh, <laughs> doesn't happen everywhere, but every now and then we slip into it. Um, and of all the books, John was this great lover. I mean, he's the guy, the disciple, he described himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. He's like, like I'm, I'm the man that Crystal loves. But um, it's quite, quite a title. And he would, they would, he would lay his head on Jesus' chest as they would recline. I was like, wow. Um, but then it comes down to the book of 1 John. And you read it, and you're going, boy, this guy is right in your face. Not that he doesn't mean, it's just that it, this is right, that's wrong. This is God, that's the devil. You know, this is righteous, that's evil. It's like, where, where's, the, where's the love? I don't see the love. He's telling me I'm wrong. Uh, by the way, that's love. And, and, and you, I can see why every chapter repeats itself in this theme. Do it in love. Love one another. For we are love. God is love. God loved you first. Love one another. And he constantly is putting the love thing out there because I believe he realizes he's stepping on a lot of toes in this letter because he's writing a letter to churches who are struggling because of false teaching, false prophets, false ideas of, of what it is to be a believer. And so you know what? It's, it's correction time. It's time to bend that bone back into the right place. And sometimes you've got to break it and reset it. And that's pretty much what he's doing in this book. He's like, ow, this is the disciple. And the other part is, John was the only disciple that lived. All of them were martyred. He was martyred also, but he lived. They boiled them in oil. Like, and he lived. In fact, it said that because he came out unscathed, that many people that watched it in the Colosseum uh, got saved. So, He's 90 years old. He's outlived the average age by about 40 years, the, the, the lifespan. And so he's this old crotchety guy, been boiled in oil. You know what? He, he has the right to be a little crotchety and just going, hey, that's right, that's wrong. <laughs> that's good, that's bad. And I was like, hey, I'm 90. I could, be, I could be dead tomorrow. But he was upset that, that there's a, the teaching had come into the church that was changing who Jesus was, changing how you follow, how you become and stay uh, in, in the, the brotherhood of Christianity. So he's straightforward, and we're going to see that today. And before we go anywhere, see this guy in the left corner? What a cad. He's there to pick somebody up. <laughs> Becoming beloved. Yeah, but yeah, baby. Doesn't he look like he's at a bar or something, that little mustache? That's all I see when I see this picture every week. Doing, who put that guy in the picture? <laughs> he's here to find a woman. So, <laughs> so in the fourth book, the fourth chapter, um, we're going to be given a test. And he says to test those that come along. But first of all, I want you to take a look at this picture. This is a broken watch. What, everyone knows the answer. I'm going to wait for the question. What does a broken watch do? 
tells the time correctly twice a day. Are you going to wear that watch? But wait a minute, it's correct twice a day. And I'm gonna relate this to what John is saying. There's false teachers. There's false beliefs about Jesus. It could be right twice a day, but don't wear it. Recognize it's broken. And there's a lot of teachings, a lot of philosophy, there's a lot of narratives out there that are broken. Oh, they may be right on this point and that point. Oh, it really rubs me in the emotions right here. Boy, something inside me tells me that's right. It's broken. Don't wear it. Don't let it in. And that's what he's saying. And he's, saying, he, he, he's quite adamant about it. So let's take a look at 1 John chapter 4, starting with verse 1. So, dear friends... Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even, even now is already in the world. You dear, you dear children are from God and have come, overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoints of the world. There's a narrative in the world. And that's where they're basing their truth. And the world listens to them. Who We are from God and whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Dear friends, let us love one another. There it is. For love comes from God. See, he just drew this black and white picture. This is of God, that's not of God. But it's all done in love. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He, this is important, he sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. Dear friends, since God so loved us because we are loved, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit and we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. The biggest battle going on in the world today, somebody might say it's in Afghanistan, might say it's you know, in the jungles of Af- Africa or 
The biggest battle that's happening today is the battle for our mind. It's a mental one. It's not military. It's mental. It is everything from clothing to Coke and Pepsi. They're trying to tell us they're better than that. Every advertisement on TV is battling to win your mind, to get you to agree with them, to touch something in you that's emotional, a good feeling. That's where the battle is. And Proverbs 23, it states, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Your thoughts determine your behavior. What you think of yourself, how you think other people see you, de- determines how you act. It, it, it dictates your humor. How you see yourself, what you think of yourself, uh, your, your consciousness, your imaginations, your perceptions, um, judgments, language. Who doesn't change their language with who, when you're with somebody? You know, you, you with all these, you go to Alabama, you all of a sudden, when did you become a Southerner? <laughs> My sister was born and raised uh, in Orlando. She uh, marries her husband, moves to Tennessee, and I go to visit her. I'm going, who is this Southern belle? Do you wear hats with that? I mean, it's just, she had this thick, but she fits in. And she perceived herself as someone from Nashville. And so she totally was. It affects us. It's what motivates us. All of this is, as a man thinks in his heart, if you think you're junk, you're junk. If you think you're a loser, you're a loser. Verse four, it says, the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world. And the world listens to them. It says, we are from God. Once once you're at this place where this is who I think I am, this is who I, this is what I believe. This is what I was taught. This is what I agree with. The next thing happens here. It says, if you can influence a person's thoughts, it would determine who they are. That's powerful. That is really powerful. Once you draw a conclusion about yourself and your potential, you're likely to do two things. Look for evidence that reinforces your belief. Now, how many mothers have tried to influence your daughter and say you're dating a loser? Because you can't say that. You can't say that. But then that daughter does everything. She looks so hard at this loser boyfriend and she looks for anything that is good. And as soon as she finds one thing, he said, thank you, one day. She runs around and goes, he's very polite. She tries to sell it. But she knows in her heart he's a loser boyfriend. How many of us know we're doing something wrong and all we do is try to look for evidence to reinforce what we feel. But they make me feel good. I don't know if you remember your teenage years. 
The next thing is discount anything contrary to your belief. You see them misbehaving. Going, oh, he was just mad. Oh, he give them every excuse under the sun. Parents, some of you have got some bad children. And you're making every excuse under the sun. It's like, you know, your kids, you have people over for dinner and your kids are misbehaving and you go, you go back there and say, listen, be quiet, be quiet, be nice, be nice, we got company. You know, it's like, oh, so if they, when they're gone, we're really going to raise hell. You know, <laughs> you know, so you know what the answer is if you can't get your children to behave, stop inviting people over. So <laughs> there's an answer for everything. Wow. You laughed a little too hard on that one. <laughs> so there's, there's this battle, this, this, this battle of ideas that are going on in every one of us. They want us to buy their product. They want us to vote their way. They want us to believe with them. People don't want to tell us what their opinion is. They want to hear their opinion coming out of our mouth. That's what they really want. So there's a battle. And it's on two levels. There's one on the human level and one on a spiritual level. At the human level, it is called a narrative. It's a story. It's my thoughts. I'm going to tell you my story, what I believe in. We get narratives all day long from everyone. On the spiritual level, it's on a supernatural level, it's called prophecy. It's the word of God. And so people, I, I really just hate this term going, well, it's my truth. Who are you? Well, it's what I've experienced. I didn't experience that. But I'm supposed to accept your truth is my truth. Your truth, guess what? It's not truth. It's a truth, but it's not the truth. It is true to you. It is not true to me. Just because it's true to you, I'm drawing a blank here, buddy. I'm just not, not feeling it, not getting it. When you're a person who receives things from the world, as John was saying, it produces a puppet. It produces a puppet. It changes. Do you know, I, I've, I've heard people who've changed, you know, they've accepted some narrative that they learned. And even how they remember themselves, it totally changed. I remember, I remember them telling me, you know, how great their dad was. And they get something in there, they hear someone else's story, someone else's narrative, and all of a sudden, their dad was the worst thing that ever happened. It's like, hmm, something changed. It can change your history. It can change the, what you think you remember. The Bible tells us, you better watch what comes in here or in your heart. Because it's going to determine who you are. That will determine who you are, who you're becoming. Well, the good thing, I'm so glad that Pastor Peter's not here because he's always over there. <laughs> now that job's been left up to my wife. <laughs> so I'm not, if you see that, I'm purposely not looking over there. You know what I mean? Here's the wonderful thing about prophecy. It produces a resistance to evil. When you know God's word, which is the truth, 
It has, there's a natural resistance to the narrative of the world. That's what John was saying. There's a natural resistance to narratives, to propaganda. Do you know, that is the number one reason that in, in communist countries, the communists hate Christians because there's a resistance to their narrative. Trouble is, in many institutes of education, I see them hating Christians. Why? Because we have a resistance to the Kool-Aid. We can question. You're not to question the truth. But wait a minute. I've got the truth. It's called prophecy. I know how it ends. I know how this is going to end. And what you're telling me is the truth doesn't fit with what this truth is. There's a built-in resistance and we are hated for it. We're hated for it. And it's just going to get worse. It gets worse for a couple of reasons. One, the world's getting worse. And two, you're getting better. You're receiving more prophecy. You're getting more of God's word in you. And that's why John here is saying, listen, there's a lot of false prophets because if the devil, the devil's not going to fool us by a narrative, you know, the, what the world says. So how does the devil attack us? How is he going to get to the church? He comes by a false prophet because we're people who listen to prophecy. They're, they're, we fall subject to false teachings. So the enemy comes through this and that's why John is warning us. Wow. So with this built-in built-in resistance to the narrative, truth does not come by human invention. People think they get let's get let's get a, a, a think tank here. And and let's see what makes sense to us, what feels good, what, what gets me motivated. And they think they come up with the truth. They've just come up with a narrative. I mean, I used to have a mullet. I used to think that was good. I look pretty good. Actually, when I played ball, I had a mohawk. I know it didn't look good, but I had one anyway. <laughs> It got so tall it just kind of fell over and it looked like a bald guy wrapping their hair around his head. <laughs> it's a narrative that we get every day. How many have ever heard, talk about narratives that we've heard. How many have uh, heard that science and Christianity don't, don't go together? It's a real struggle. It's, I mean, they just it's like meh, oil and water. It's not true. The Pew Research, they did a research of the top scientists around the world and they found out that 51% believe in God. What? Here's a couple of them. Some, you know, who is that? <laughs> science without religion is lame. Religion without science is blind. You know, but, yeah. Next. Who's this? This is a hard one. Very good. Darwin, oh, God, get the crosses out. You know, ah, I don't even want to view his face. I have never denied the existence of God. What? He thinks that there's harmony between that and evolution. 
My goodness. What? Anyone know the next one? Sir Isaac. What we know is a drop. What we do not know is a vast ocean. The, <laughs> the admiral arrangement and harmony of the universe could only come from a plan of an omniscient uh, it's a, another word for deity, a God. He believes in God. And they discovered truth. They discovered it. See, when God created the world, he created everything. It was complete. And it's up to us to discover God's creation, what works, what doesn't work, what we can put together. When, whenever there's somebody who's sick and, and they're going, oh, my lack of faith, I keep taking this medicine. I said, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? God allowed someone to discover that medicine so it will help us. I pray for my medicine. I said, Lord, Thank you for this discovery. And down he goes. I thank the Lord for those things. That we uncover the vastness and greatness of God's creation. We discover it. I have a good friend who's a physician, and I was paying him some compliment about how you know smart he was in this one thing. He goes, I know this, I know this much about this. He goes, and I don't, I'm not creating any of this. I'm discovering it. It's always existed. We just haven't found it yet. And he put it in perspective for me. You know, that is why I think Christians are so despised. They're, we're despised by people who want to influence us and have power. It's one of the things that reveals them to, to us is that they're just hungry for power that we have to have their mantra, their narrative. So John says, I don't want you to believe every supernatural message, but we're to test it. So let's take a look how do we test them. And it's quite simple. It's a verse that, for those of you who've been in the faith, it's a verse you're very familiar with but it, it seems so simple, but it's, it, it, it's quite complex in what it says. The first thing is just look at what comes out of their mouth. Verse two, this is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. First thing is you don't look at them. Here's the first thing that pulls you away. I want to be their friend. So I kind of have to give back what they believe in, say that I care. Listen, caring for what falsehood that they believe in is not caring for them. But we want to be liked. So we accept some of their truths. Bible says you're soon going to become that. You're going to be painted by the same brush as they are. Said, so, wolves come in sheep's clothing, so you can't look at them. You have to look at what they're saying. Analyze what they're saying. 
Don't look at them, they look good. There's somebody you want to be around. But what are they saying? Because you're going to become that. You're going to be seen as that. This is how we recognize them. John is going to say it. This is, this is right, that is left. This is truth, that's false. This is righteousness, that's sin. His instruction doesn't sound loving. You need to know that love and tolerance don't go together. Love and truth go together. Uh, for 20 some years, uh, we would always take adults and young adults and adults. I'd take them rock climbing. We'd parasail, we'd jump off the rock on, on the ropes. We've seen it. We'd spelunk, we'd explore caves. We'd go down rapids. It was just this crazy time. But there's one of the things that we would do, we'd jump, we'd have a rock, we'd jump off in, into a stream. And I mean, it would, the jump is as high as the ceiling. Um, and I tell them, okay, you get on this rock. If, if you're going to go parasailing, if you're going to go down on the ropes, you know, you, here's how you do your feet. Someone else does your belt. You're not allowed to do your belt. I have professionals to do your belt. When you get out there and I have you on my belay and you lean back, you lean back this way. If you're going to jump off the rock into the water down there, you put your feet right here. Don't jump from there. You jump from right here. You do what I tell you to do. I mean, it's all fun and games until we're up there. And I remember it was quite a few... Quite a few people who've had trouble, and I've had to take them off the rock. I had this one girl, we were getting ready, she was getting ready to jump into the stream down there, and she wouldn't get up. She's going, I'm going to jump. I go, put your feet right here. Well, no, I'll do it for a minute. Put your feet right there, now. Well, no, I said, get off the rock. Get off this rock, sit down right there, and don't you move. Well, the person behind her says, you're so mean. I've never heard this out of Pastor Mark. I said, are you kidding me? I said, I love them. I just saved their life. That's truth. That's not tolerance. If I was tolerant of that behavior, I don't know if they'd live. And I'm taking 25 Adults every year for 20, 30 years. We didn't lose one. We bloodied a few. <laughs> I remember Lori Ellickson, uh, she was here. Uh, she came up after the trip. She goes, I love this trip, but I will never do it again. <laughs> we had guys who were in the army come up and going, this is the toughest stuff I've ever done. <laughs> One guy wouldn't even go in the cave exploring. You know, he's like, I don't know, there's bats in there. <laughs> but you know what? Tolerance gets you killed. And that's what Proverbs says. What you allow in your brain can kill you if it's the wrong stuff. If it's all about being tolerant, do it in love. You can tell the truth in love. That's why every chapter, it repeats, love one another, love one another, do this in love, love one another, tell the truth. This is right, that's wrong. This is good, that's bad. This is God, that isn't. Do it in love. You ever notice people who get angry when they're telling you their belief? 
That's not love. What's coming out of their mouth? Isn't that love? The more they talk about their belief and seeing that maybe you're resisting it, the louder they get. John's saying, what comes out of their mouth? Does that sound like love? Huh? Number two. Do they think of, do they think correctly of Jesus? This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. I want you to know that this is a legal document put in common terms. Jesus legally entered this world by birth. Satan was cast down, said like lightning. He was kicked out of heaven and he was cast down to earth. He illegally entered this world. Jesus legally entered this world by becoming a man in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. When you, Jesus, and not only that, because whenever he's talking to spirit, people think, well, Jesus really wasn't with God in the beginning. The spirit of Christ came upon Jesus and he just lived a good life. That's wrong. He was with God before because he came from God. He was God. He came from, but he entered legally. And guess, does, does he have his supernatural body now? You know what? He still has a body. He is the first resurrected, like us, that will follow. When he appeared to the disciples when they're hiding out, he was in his resurrected body. He turns to Thomas. He goes, Thomas, put your finger in the holes if you don't believe it's me. Jesus is in heaven right now, interceding on our behalf in his resurrected body, being the first of many brethren. So spirits can't say that because if they did, they are saying that they are they, they are saying, he is right, he is Lord, I am not. They can't say it. They cannot recognize the deity and the legalities of Jesus being sent from God, being legally born into this world, died in his resurrected body and now sits at the right hand of God the Father making intercession for us. They can't say that because it undermines what they believe. It undermines what, they're, what they want. Go ahead. Do they love? We'll come back to that. Do they love? The question, do we love? When you have the truth, you don't have to get angry. You can be confident. And know what that truth is? Verse 15, it says, if anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love of God. Are we relying on the love of God? on this truth that he was sent. He lived. He died for our sins. He was resurrected and sits at the right hand now. Do we rely that 
John said earlier as we read, that it's not that we love him, it's that he loved us first. Too many of us are sitting there going, I don't know if I love God enough. You don't. News alert, you don't. Here's a news alert. He loved you and loves you now to do this. Rely on that love. Don't rely on your love for him. It will fail. You're going to fall short. If you think you're getting to heaven because how much you love God, you need to realize and keep it how much he loves you. Till you get that revelation that he sent his only son for this, for this, that's love. Until you have that revelation, you can rely that he loves you. Stop being Superman and going, well, I love God so much, I'm going to kick the doors down. You're not. You're going to fall short. But he loves you. Do you rely on it? Let's stand. Wow. I'm going to pray that if you've not had a a revelation that God loves you, Maybe you have an understanding of it, but it's not become real. I'm going to ask that you would have that experience. The Holy Spirit would come and whatever, however it it has to be revealed to you, that that's going to happen. That's going to happen in your life. So let me pray. Father, for those of us who have been doing it in our power, and we, we fail. Lord, bring us to a knowledge of your love for us that we can rely on it and not our good works. But we rely on your love, your sacrifice for us. That we would grow in our resistance to the narratives of the world to the people who I want to like me, for the emotions that they stir up in me. Father, let our our emotions be tied up in your love for us. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.